Good afternoon, everyone. It's Dr. Nigro again, our next episode of Psychology Unplugged. Thank you, as always, to all of our followers, both uh, nationally and internationally. Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure and a privilege to be able to do this program every week, uh, covering a wide array of topics, both um, clinical in nature, some existential in nature, uh, educational, uh, because we have such a broad audience. Uh, like I say, I do my best to talk in a way that uh, people who want to take notes or using this for their education or helping themselves to better understand a condition that they may be struggling with or someone they're in a relationship may be struggling with. So um, I appreciate the continued feedback. And uh, as always, uh, it is a pleasure to do this. And thank you for uh, continuing to embark on this as we begin to enter our fourth year um, of Psychology Unplugged next year. Never thinking it would get to the level that it has. And um, true, sincere appreciation to uh, all of you guys who follow this program. So today's topic is going to be kind of interesting because I'm going to <clears throat> something I really haven't talked about before, but one that uh, I, I I've diagnosed a couple times in the last few weeks, and it's not a very common diagnosis, but one that uh, does exist, and I think everybody can relate to this at some level is nightmare disorder. Yes, we do actually have a disorder in the DSM for nightmares. Um, so let me give you some of the diagnostic, uh, criteria to actually meet, uh, the criteria to be formally diagnosed with nightmare disorder. So nightmares, uh, if, if you've had them, a bad dream, they're scary and they feel like, uh, they feel real and dreams are something that, uh, we really don't understand, um, the classic book, Freud's Interpretation of Dreams, I think you can easily get carried away with symbolism and, uh, you know, what's that? Uh, yeah, Carl Jung, uh, the big red book, if you have that or have access to look at that, uh, Jung was, uh, he was an interesting fellow, but he was, um, he had talked about... You know the archetypes, uh, but the big red book. It's actually, it actually is a big red book. Uh, I have a copy of uh, one of our coffee tables downstairs, and it's his illustrations of his dreams um, from a child and an adult, then his own interpretation of it. So uh, dreams in and of themselves are, 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 I think, are fascinating, um, but we really don't know what they are. Um, the best explanation I could give it, it's the brain's way of kind of mental housekeeping. You know, it's like some light switches are turned on and they're connected to other light switches and the signal is sent to one, but that one's shut off, so it bounces into one that, another one that's on and they kind of have these convoluted um, um, stories or... or can be incredibly vivid, but when you get into the realm of uh, actual nightmares, they can be incredibly, uh, one, scary, two, seem very realistic, uh, and sometimes can be quite debilitating. So in order to, you know, the diagnostic criteria for nightmare disorder is, you know, one is repeated occurrence 
of extended, extremely dysphoric, so it means unhappy, and well-remembered dreams that usually involve efforts to avoid threats to survival, security, or physical integrity that generally occurred during the the second half of a major sleep episode. So if you don't really go into nightmares until you really get into, into REM sleep. Um, but nightmares are, they don't, they're, these aren't happy dreams. These aren't, you know, uh, you know, sugar cookies and cherry blossoms. These, these, these are, these are terrifying experiences. Um, uh, n- another criteria is on awakening from this dysphoric dream, an individual becomes rapidly oriented and alert. Kind of like if you think about jumping up and startling in the bed, I mean, like, oh my God, you know, uh, respiration may increase uh, pupil dilation uh, because body's going into a fight or flight response and trying to discern was that experience that I just went through, was it real or was it not? Um, so it's a rapid awakening, uh, sometimes c- accompanied by, you know, uh, like I said, rapid breathing or shallow breathing, sweating, heart palpitations. Uh, another criteria is the sleep disturbance causes significant distress, as with all of the different psychiatric conditions, social, emotional, occupational, and or academic functioning. Um, it's not attributed to uh, the, the, the side effect of a physiological substance or uh, drugs or alcohol, um, and, and coexisting psychiatric disorders don't really account for it. So, in essence, it's, it's really this distinct period of time during the latter stages of sleep where uh, an individual is in a deeper phase of sleep and is experiencing what they believe is a reality that is incredibly frightening and can be incredibly debilitating. So nightmares, um, they're lengthy, they're elaborate, and they have like this story-like sequence of dream imagery that, that seems incredibly real, but it excites these negative feelings of, of anxiety, of fear, uh, of dysphoric and negative emotions. Um, and the the content of nightmares is interesting because they, they all, it's always a focus on, 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 on an avoidance or coping with some imminent danger, um, and and themes that have evoked negative emotions. Again, these are not pleasurable experiences. They're evoking you know bodies you know you know. Uh, worse, worst case scenarios, and the body is in, uh, you know, a state of, of fight or flight, and, and the sympathetic nervous system is kind of on guard to protect the body from this. Um, uh, nightmares that occur after traumatic experiences, uh, they may they may replicate the threatening situation. So uh, sometimes the PTSD, what we call these re- replicative nightmares. Um, because they, they continue it's, in its pervasive theme and, and not necessarily a flashback, uh, but this is because this is occurring during sleep and it's 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 um, it's a it's a replicating dream over and over again. And these are the ones that for myself I tend to pay attention to diagnostically because I find the ones uh, individuals that have reoccurring nightmares uh, for me clinically that is something that. I, is, is a more of a focus for myself for clinical attention than somebody just has a bad dream here or there. And, you know, therapeutically, if you're working with somebody, you're looking for consistency and, and consistency in, in themes. Um, when, and you generally find that's related to some real or 
imagine situation that's happened in an individual's life, um, especially individuals who have an elevated level of anxiety. Uh, and then, you know, also on awakening, nightmares tend to be well-remembered and can be described in detail uh, versus just dreams in general don't always, they, they don't always have that same uh uh, level of detail where not just the detail of what the person you know what the dream is about but also bodily sensations um, and and uh, notations or or comments about feelings of uh, anxiety and panic and, and anger and despair or revenge and des you know desperation none of which I just described are, are, are positive experiences um, and then you know uh, dreams arise almost exclusively during REM. That is, you know, rapid eye movement. That, that is a uh, our our deepest level of sleep, and that's when when dreaming is is longer, and more intense. And I remember um, back in undergrad, uh, working in publishing studies in sleep medicine, uh, working in a, in a sleep lab and scoring um, polysomnographies or or sleep studies. And what you really, what I was was fascinated about is uh, a dream in and of itself typically lasts 7 to 11 seconds. And you think that these are these ex extensive and prolonged experiences, but, you know, 7 to 11 seconds when a dream may feel like you've been in the situation for for hours, if, if, if not days. Um, so, you know... Uh, Things that you know that 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 increase early night REM intensity, like like sleep fragmentation or deprivation, jet lag, um, REM sensitive medications, uh, they might facilitate nightmares earlier, um, including sleep onset. So there are some things uh, that could actually, whereas like I said, dreams occur you know, later in the night um, or later in the sleep cycle, depending on. The type of work you have, you know, if you work the night shift, and you're working during the day, but they occur at the towards the latter end in the more in, in the deepest parts of of sleep, and the nightmares they usually terminate with awakening and and you know return of you know full alertness. Um, however, the emotions associated with uh, they 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 last. They could last for a few minutes to a few hours. Uh, a person could you know ruminate them about uh, throughout the day. They may contact their therapist. They may contact their psychiatric prescriber to describe this because you know you, you know in the sense that they are done with with the actual nightmare experience itself. Um, the emotions associated with it don't don't necessarily dissipate, and there can be a fear associated with wanting to go to sleep um almost kind of like you know movie nightmare on elm street where they were afraid to go to sleep because freddy krueger was going to get them not the same thing that was fantasy um and fiction but you know if you're prone to having nightmares uh i you could certainly make sense why you would maybe want to take you know caffeine or uh, a stimulant medication later at night to avoid going to sleep because you know Oh my God! Yeah, I'm expecting this is going to happen if you are plagued with, you know, persistent nightmares. Um, you know, you know, some nightmares that we call like like bad dreams. They they may not induce awakening and maybe recalled later. Um, 
you know, if nightmares occurred during like sleep onset REM periods, um, we call those hypnagogic. Um, and they're not as intense in severity as, as a true nightmare. But, but, you know, other things that could occur is like, like, like we talk about the autonomic nervous system and the, and the sympathetic nervous system, you know, arousal, sweating, tachycardia, uh, you know, body movements and, and vocal and body movements and vocalizations are really not characteristic uh, because during REM sleep, there's loss of skeletal muscle tone and such and such behaviors. Um, they they don't you don't really act them out. That gets into a different category of night terrors, which is a much more violent and and physiologically observable experience and that, that that's a separate disorder in and of itself um but interestingly like nightmares uh they they begin early often between generally between three and six years of age and they 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 they, they peak uh in late adolescence early adulthood um but you know, there's a lot of things. You know, again, if 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 you're you know constantly being bullied, uh, if you're you know were attacked, if you you know had some negative experience, I mean, so nightmares uh, many times have some direct correlation with some event that an individual has experienced, has witnessed. Uh, maybe if you're you know prone to watching scary movies, um, it's not going to be a surprise that you may that may carry into your in, 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 into your psyche during during sleep, um, but again, as I said, these can, they can be incredibly uh, debilitating. So just you know, I made some notes about this. Um, you know, differences between like you know males and the females, like ad adult females, uh, typically report having more frequent nightmares than males, um, and the nightmare context uh, or content actually differs somewhat um, by sex with, with adult females reporting more themes of like sexual harassment or loved ones disappearing or dying and whereas like adult males report themes of like physical aggression uh, war, terror um, so again we don't we don't really it, it's hard to really know about dreams nightmares because you really can't talk to the person while they're in this state to be able to like interview them like what are you going through as opposed to doing like systematic desensitization for anxiety and asking somebody questions as they're going through or treating like ocd and ask them to rate you know subjective units of, of distress uh so really this is like upon observation and through sleep studies and actually you know pretty much after the individual has experienced a nightmare, you know, what is their anecdotal recollections or if they're hooked up to any EG and measuring brain activity, uh, which is typically done during a sleep study, or if they're hooked up to an EKG, me measuring, you know, heart rate or a pulse oximeter, measuring ox you know, oxygenation. So it can able to see that the body is actually experiencing some perceived state of heightened arousal despite being asleep and again in, in in the duration of you know seven to eleven seconds and if any of us any of, any of, i think we've all had you know a nightmare or or a bad dream you know it, it gets into the you know the realm of disorder when it's when it's causing that you know social emotional occupational dysfunction on a persistent basis and it's really negatively affecting all aspects of an individual's life um 
but you know nightmare disorder is is something that you know is not uh it, it doesn't come across uh very often but i i again i, I had a few in the, in the past few weeks um a lot of times i i found at least what i in my experience a lot of times these individuals have had uh either tra something traumatic happen to them uh it doesn't mean necessarily there was you know it could have been sexual assault it could have been rape it could have been some form of abuse uh also it was you know really could be related to an extreme stressor or loss or somebody who is just prone to being highly anxious especially somebody who has anticipatory anxiety who was like you know chicken little that julie talked about where the sky you know the sky is falling the sky is falling the sky is falling um it can be um it can be incredibly debilitating and uh i can I, I can understand why people may be afraid to go to sleep or why people may overuse substances or you know whether that's over-the-counter stuff um and again just because things are over-the-counter does not mean they are necessarily safe um you know, so people may use, uh, you know, sleep aids to try to get into just a, a, a deep sense of, you know, trying to get to sleep as fast as they can and, and pray to God that they don't have these nightmares. But uh, this is something that can be, you know, is, is really more of a, a psychotherapeutic issue. But I know Julie deals with this and, and there are, pharm, you know, pharmacological agents or psychopharmacological agents that are used to help people with sleep. Um but you know, um, but nightmares can also be comorbid with like other medical conditions like coronary heart disease, cancer, Parkinson's, pain, um, and then also withdrawal from medications, uh, withdrawal from substances. Um, nightmares are frequent, frequently comorbid with, like I said, PTSD, insomnia, schizophrenia, psychosis mood disorders anxiety disorders adjustment disorders personality disorders uh and grief during bereavement these so nightmares can occur it makes sense why they would occur during these periods of time or someone has a coexisting um psychiatric or medical condition you know um at at the same time but nightmares again are are, are different from you know flashbacks and ptsd but um they 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 can be incredibly uh debilitating and incredibly frightening uh and again like i said if someone has a bad dream here or there i certainly acknowledge it but i'm not necessarily going to focus so much on it but what it's when someone is paying is you know has one of those psychiatric conditions that i that i mentioned or even one of the medical conditions that i mentioned uh th those individuals are more prone to experiencing nightmares so uh, i don't know if julie wants to add anything about you know how she approaches people who play the nightmares oh, i'm sure <laughs> hi guys um yeah I, i'm just kind of sitting in the background as usual but um i wanted to talk a little bit about how we treat sleep um, you know, sleep is, depending on what someone's struggling with, um, mental health wise, uh, sleep is obviously part of, um, most diagnoses, including, you know, anxiety, PTSD, um, depression, um, bipolarity, trauma, um, and, uh, so, but it, it as a provider, we have to be very careful about how we treat sleep um 
if people have a tendency to be become addicted to medications or controlled substances, we have to be careful how we select. Um, you know, we have to do a proper history and be very careful about how we select. Um, you know, a, a sleep medication that won't, you know, kind of re-trigger a, a previous addiction or an addictive personality in general. Um, because generally people uh, will, you know, kind of want to, I don't know, it's just like they usually kind of want, need more over time. And it's very hard to uh, uh, discontinue medication and taper them off of medication at times. Not everybody, certainly not everybody. Um, I'm just talking about people who have a tendency to have addictive um, history of addiction. Um, specifically alcohol. Um, if someone has alcohol addiction, um, even a previously diagnosed alcohol addiction, even though they're in remission and um, recovery. Uh, benzodiazepines are not necessarily, uh, really not, a, I, I say I never do, but um, it's sort of like a dry form of alcohol, so it can cause a relapse um, and, uh, you know, kind of a relapse of, uh, you know, the, the benzodiazepine, you know, triggering alcohol because it is ten technically a dry form of alcohol. Um, so that being said, um, sleep is very important for people who have, um, you know, PTSD. So if we have someone with PTSD, who's just straight up PTSD, no, bipolarity involved we can well even with people with bipolar you can use prazosin it's a it's a heart medication and i've talked about this a couple of times they kind of like most medications mo many medications we find out by accident what they really help with when we're when they're being you know people are being treated for for example hypertension um i think it was the vietnam vet, vet veterans that they used prazosin to help uh with uh high blood pressure and much to their surprise they realized that the um the veterans that were having flashback nightmares the prazosin would um what it actually technically does is not to get all like eh, um but it it stops the adrenaline and that's partly what happens when people have um you know, um, flashbacks, uh, is that the body is triggered by something, whether it's known or not known, um, that, you know, the adrenaline kicks in and the fight or flight mode kicks in, but the prosocin really helps with stopping that process. Uh, do have people who I've treated with this medication with great success. Um, it doesn't always eliminate all of the, um, the flashback nightmares. And this would be flashback traumatic net nightmares of um, repeated uh, same theme of an experience that they've had in their past that has been traumatic. Um, whereas to separate other dreams, which can be bizarre dreams or, you know, you know, I, I can't even begin to talk about dreams, but um, and what their meaning truly is. But uh, so that being said, that's something that we kind of can add to people who are having uh, flashback nightmares and it, and, and it may, it will, hopefully if you have flashback nightmares, it may, it may dissipate them. Um, again, talk to your provider about that. Um, the other factor with uh, sleep disorders is a bipolar disorder. Um, bipolar disorder with a mania, um, people have 
they, they go days without sleep and they don't feel tired. So when someone is in manic episode, you really want to try to get them to sleep. Um, usually we use antipsychotics for that. And that would be, you know, Seroquel, which is quetiapine. I want to get into all of them. Zyprexa, which I don't care for, but uh, seems to knock um, anxiety uh, off its axis. Um, but the side effect profile on that metabolically is, um, and it's a, it's a weight gainer, and metabolically it can cause a lot of um, unpleasant um, medical issues. Um, the other is uh, lorazidone, which is Latuda, and we use that for bipolar depression. It doesn't necessarily really work on mania, but Vralar seems to do that. Uh, I don't know that it really helps with sleep. So when you're talking about bipolarity, you really want to get somebody on something, either a mood stabilizer or an antipsychotic that helps them to sleep, um, to minimize the mania so that they get out of the manic cycle. Um, so typically we, we, with someone who's just depressed or anxious and they can't sleep, there are hypnotics. People use Lunesta, they use Ambien. Ambien shouldn't be used in people over 55. Um, just because the body doesn't absorb it as well, particularly in females, and it can call it, it's a fall risk. Uh, Ambien also has a history of, you know, um, uh, sleepwalking, sleep driving, sleep cooking, all kinds of crazy things that people have reported. Um, I think people have used it, um, I've seen it on, you know, social media that people have used it and then did things while they were awake while taking Ambien, which is also called Zolpidem. Um, we use uh, trazodone, uh, mirtazapine. Um, typically, we can use um, hydroxyzine. Um, that's kind of an amped up Benadryl, but but trazodone um, is probably not something you want to put someone because it's technically an antidepressant, and so in, so is mirtazapine. Technically, antidepressants so that if the bipolarity is not stable, you don't want to add those really, uh, unless there's a mood stabilizer on board and that someone's pretty much stable um, but to throw someone just who says they're not sleeping on an antidepressant it can kind of, it, it can sometimes make things worse so I'm sure I'm not saying uh, you know and then there's also melatonin there's ashwagandha there's a valerian root these are all the other you know holistic remedies for sleep um, many times people will try to find and figure out holistically what they want to use for sleep Chamomile, um, lavender, uh, the anti-anxiety um, formulations of holistic um, medications. Again, you want to talk to your provider and tell them what you're taking. Like, for example, so you don't want to be taking St. John, John's Wort with any antidepressant because it could lead to serotonin syndrome. So these are all things you should talk to your provider about. And these are just some of the medications. I mean, we'd be here all night, um, but... Uh, another one is clonidine. Clonidine isn't uh, an antihypertensive, means it treats high blood pressure, but it also treats anxiety in terms of the the, the working on the re body's reaction to stress, similar to prazosin. But you know, it, it it can make people very tired. Um, I've also seen people do very well with it for sleep. Um, but you don't want to you want to monitor blood pressure. You want to make sure that they don't run low. So if you have low blood pressure, you have to be careful about being on um, any kind of anti uh, high blood pressure medicine that we use in psychiatry. So I think that is all I want to say for now.
Um, feel free to ask us questions. Again, we're not treating anybody, but I'm really passionate about educating people on this. I can't read that. Um, I also know firsthand that sometimes when people can't sleep and they take an antidepressant or a sleep medication of some kind, they start reporting that they're having very awful nightmares and very bizarre dreams that are so disturbing that sometimes they'd rather not be on the medicine. So it's kind of like benefits outweigh the risks. Um, I, you know, I have a lot of experience having bizarre nightmares myself, so I'm not sure why that is, but, um, I'm very, uh, empathic to someone who is experiencing nightmares. Um, I don't have trauma nightmares, but I do have very bizarre and scary nightmares. There's all, you know, a lot of nightmares are, you know, kind of about maybe being chased, um, or you can't get to something. Um, those are the kind of nightmares I have where I'm like sleeping and I'm trying to get someplace but my legs aren't working um, and it's very scary and you wake up and you're like whoa thank God that's not real but I think our daily stress and even if it's on a subconscious level I think comes out in our dreams because our brain never sleeps so when we're asleep our brain doesn't sleep so um, that's another way to look at it too and um, one of my therapists uh, once upon a time said I asked them, so what is the deal with the dreams? Because I did wind up seeing somebody about my dreams because they were bothering me. And um, he said, dreams are, what he thought was dreams are our wishes and our fears. And it that makes sense to me. Um, and there's, there's a lot of bizarre uh, content. Um, so if you have bizarre content, just think about all the things you watch on TV or where you've been and old and new and you know think of the biology I mean biologically we have things that are passed down to us as well so uh, it's not really so important to solve them I think there are people who really get into the dream stuff I, I did read a few books way back in the day when I was obsessed with it oh what does water mean or what does fire represent and all that stuff there are there are people who do work like that. I, I do not, I can't point to one specific book except for the Carl Jung, um, the red, the big red book that he, Carl Jung was very into dream interpretation and Freud was too, but yeah. So um, anyway, thank you for listening to me. God bless you. Stay safe. Be kind to one another. Do good because that's why you're here. Um, all right, so just a, a different, just a different topic than what we usually talk about, you know, from borderline and bipolar and stuff like that. I, I just uh, find just again, I don't know, I, I, I don't know why. Um, it just diagnosis recently in a few people that thought it'd be interesting because we talk about nightmares, um, but not realizing that there is an actual diagnosis of nightmare disorder, and it can be incredibly uh, debilitating. Um, and again, like Julie said, we really don't know what they are. Maybe they are our wishes. Maybe they are our fears. Um, but again, I, to echo what she said, the brain is constantly awake. Um, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, it's, it's it's never sleeping, and you know, the, the, that saying that we only use 20% of our brain is a complete uh, fallacy because we would be hooked up to machines. You're using 100% of your brain all of the time, maybe not to the full capacity, but um, you're 100% of the brain needs to be working for all, any of us to be functioning uh, at a <clears throat> a decent capacity. So. 
nightmare disorder. Uh, it's real. It's scary. If you experience it, you know what I'm talking about it. Uh, if you see it in your children, it, it's real. Um, again, it's a therapeutic issue. As Julie says, sometimes it's a medication issue, but it's still a mystery in terms of the etiology. But there are themes, uh, and in my experience, it's definitely related to something that the individual has been exposed to, is about to be exposed to, has witnessed, has experienced, um, and it can be pretty scary. So until next time, uh, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, feel free to reach out to me through Psychology Today, email me directly at psychologyunplugged@outlook.com. Uh, follow us on Instagram at psychology underscore unplugged underscore uh, you can even contact me directly at 617-750-9411, East Coast Standard Time in the United States, as I'm slowly beginning to lose my voice. Um, I try to get back to as many people as I can, uh, and if you haven't got a hold of me, keep trying. I will get back to you, but thank you for your continued support. Be well, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and I will talk to you guys next week. All right, bye, guys.